welcome to another episode of 28 Days Ladier. I am your host, Sophie, joined as always by my, let's see, prodigious co-host and younger sister, Hannah. Hey, I thought you were going to say like a newly, newly minted or newly 27. Oh, how did I not introduce you as an old 20? That was a real missed opportunity. (laughs) Alas, here I am in all my glory as an old 20. uh, Not sure if it's related, but my back has been hurting since my birthday yesterday. Oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, you are old now. Uh, Hannah, listeners may be picking up on the fact that you celebrated a birthday recently. Yes. So yesterday was my birthday. Um, it was a, it was a good one, a fun one, but randomly, like I woke up, um, yesterday morning and my back hurt so bad and my back hurt all day yesterday. And when I woke up this morning, it was still hurting. So, um, I guess I am old now. Yeah. I mean, again, I think like there was a time when I was, I think 20, five or 26 and I was living back home in Delaware for the summer as were you because you were home from college and you wanted to go out on like a weeknight to a bar to meet up with some friends and I didn't want to go and you were like come on you're no fun and I was like Hannah when you hit 25 and I know everyone listening that's older than 25 is rolling your eyes at me right now and I get it but I said to my sister, I was like, when you're 25, all of a sudden, you're going to realize that you can get hung over just from, like, having one beer six hours before you go to bed. <laughs> um, yeah, and just, uh, it all starts to pile on, as I've been led to believe. <laughs> so um, it's like, like, the one beer I had over the weekend was what made my back hurt, like, four days later. That's just yeah, basically. what being 27 is. Uh, Hannah, you'll appreciate this. I actually really had, I really hurt my back a couple weekends ago and like could not get comfortable in any position. And on that very day, I saw a post on Instagram that said, my favorite childhood memory is my back not hurting, (laughs) 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 which uh, feels, feels really real. Um, I definitely thought for a minute there that you were going to be like, I hurt my back a couple weeks ago from carrying this podcast. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but now that you've put it out there, I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, well, so what kind of stuff did you do to celebrate your birthday? Um, obviously, you know, given the current pandemic, it was pretty low-key, um, but in a nice way. Uh, my boyfriend, bless his heart, who normally um, anything involving like birthdays or just gift giving in general he tends to sort of overthink it and freak himself out and ends up being like more stressed than it's worth um he actually crushed it um with just like a bunch of little things uh for like the whole weekend before my birthday um which was on a tuesday he did everything over the weekend, all, like, birthday-themed, and got me a cake that said boner on it. <laughs> because he knows you. Because he knows me very well, um, and, like, a bunch of little things like that. It made me dinner, uh, watched a shitload of TV with me, um, because sometimes he likes for us to have more breaks and conversation in between all of the TV, but it was my birthday, so... We just got to load up on TV. Um, but it was great. Like, um, our our nano has the same birthday as me. Or I should say, like, I came into this earth on her birthday. Uh, and it was her 80th birthday. So we got to have a big uh, video chat with, like, our whole extended family. Which, although dizzying, was also life-affirming. So... That was a really awesome Zoom call, and it was just fun because we have a pretty big family. Uh, (laughs) Our mom is one of six kids, and most of her siblings and some of their kids were on the call, and it was just absolute mayhem, as you might imagine. (laughs) Uh, And our dear mother, who's appeared on this podcast a couple of times, 
<laughs> did a stellar job of sort of being the glue that held the po the call together and like she knew what was going on with everybody and whenever there was silence she would start a new conversation she was just doing so great and then a <laughs> couple a couple times i think without meaning to, absolutely without meaning to she just like said stuff that sounded so savage which like <laughs> knowing our mom was hilarious because of course she's the sweetest person in the world uh but it was hilarious and i want to share a quick story uh shout out we learned our aunt heidi and our cousin maggie listened to this podcast <laughs> and uh our aunt heidi lives on a farm and at one point during the call had to go out and collect eggs from the chickens and she was gone for like 15 minutes when she came back in she was like i'm back and i have an egg and our mom just goes okay <laughs> like a real big sister yeah <laughs> or did she say okay or did she say so no she just said okay like i think what she wanted she was to like say, so what are you gonna do with it <laughs> yeah seriously it was our mom wouldn't ever say this because she wouldn't know what it meant but she it was like she just was like weird flex but okay and then just, like, moved <laughs> yeah <on. laughs> that's exactly the inflection behind it um well hannah i wanted to talk up top about a thing i did recently for my mental health that has been incredibly beneficial to me was um, it starting a podcast with me? It, it wasn't. I mean, this has been amazing because it gives me an excuse to talk to you more than I already do, which is mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but no, so I, I, I don't remember if I ever mentioned it on this podcast, but some months ago, I think in the beginning of the year, I listened to a podcast called Project Body Love that was a 30-day podcast. Each episode was like five minutes long. And it was basically based on techniques of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a kind of therapy where you are specifically sort of looking at concrete behaviors that you can start to shift that will then help change your perception of things. And so it was a series of little exercises to sort of help it's definitely targeted towards women, but I think it could appeal to anyone. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely sort of set up to help create like body body acceptance and body love and I found it to be an incredibly positive thing and I think that it it did a lot of good for me and I have noticed that since the pandemic set in some of that has been set back for me now it's important to know that when I was listening to this I was training for a marathon and there wasn't a pandemic and so it was easier for me to feel good about my body because I was working out all the time and because I was working out all the time I could basically eat whatever I wanted and it didn't matter um and so I got hurt during the marathon and then a pandemic happened so you know the combination of those two things means that I've gained some weight and my body just looks a little bit different now than it did a couple months ago and I was really having a hard time with that and I don't know if you've had this experience Hannah but I've certainly had the experience with coworkers and with friends that I think a lot of us, a majority of us, are in a place where maybe we're not working out as much or we're not eating as healthy. Maybe, I mean, there's all kinds of jokes about, like, the quarantine 15 and things, right? Like, everyone right. is sort of like, oh, man, I've gained so much weight during this quarantine. Just making comments about their body and their weight. And um, so about a month or, month or so ago, I started trying to remind myself of some of the stuff from the Project Body Love podcast and like trying to be a little bit less hard on myself and just focused like a little bit less focused on the physical appearance of my body. Because like at the end of the day, that's that doesn't matter at all. <laughs> uh, mm. And one of the things I did as a part of that was it was easier to not worry about it when it was still like March and April. It wasn't that warm out because all I was wearing was like leggings and sweatpants. Yeah. And then summer happened. I was like, oh, God, I have to wear shorts. And like I'm super self-conscious about my thighs anyway. So I was like, oh, none of my shorts fit. This sucks. And I spent several weeks being like, I'm just going to keep wearing shorts that don't fit until I lose enough weight to fit into the shorts that do fit. Mm -hmm. Which I know you're all at home thinking like that sounds super healthy. I don't know what the problem could possibly be. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's a classic, but, uh, classic way to solve that problem. Yeah. But what I did instead was I went online, I bought three new pairs of shorts in a bigger size and just decided like, hey, I would love to just accept that like I'm a human being and my body weight and my body size are going to fluctuate and it's okay to own 
articles of clothing in a couple different sizes so that no matter what size I'm at, I can just feel comfortable and feel good about myself. And like, I really can't overstate how positive that was for me. Um, and so I just want to say if any of you listening are sort of also grappling with um, weight or image stuff right now, just A, remind yourself that cortisol, which is the stress response hormone in your body that we're all carrying a lot more of right now, uh, it increases the the fat that your body carries because cortisol is in your body when your body thinks you're in danger and carrying fat means you can survive longer. So like, we're all just gonna, like, we're all doing the best we can right now. Please be kind to yourself. Um, we're all just, and just like, uh, loose bags of beans. Yeah, exactly. We're all just loose said. beans inside. So yeah, exactly. So yeah, please, this is my endorsement of like, if you are feeling crummy and, just living in a place where I was where you're like, I'm just going to hate myself until I fit in my small clothes again. Just like buy a new pair of shorts. It's so, so lovely to just like feel comfortable. It's really good. <laughs> um, well, and the uh, sort of adverse of that, um, my boyfriend and I went for a walk over the weekend and there was, like, a Lucky Brand jeans store in, um, in Chicago that was having, like, a massive sale because they are going out of business. So they were just having, like, 50% off everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, like, walking by and I, and I saw this pair of pants that I really liked. And I went in um, to, like, just to, you know, see, like, how much it was and everything. And I'm, like, looking at the table, and um, everything was, like, super tiny. So I was like, oh, this isn't going to work. And, um, like, as I'm looking at it, the sales clerk, like, he was trying to help. But I could tell that also, like, as soon as he said it, he realized, like, the mistake he had made. (laughs) Um, But basically, Mm -hmm. I picked up this pair of pants. And granted, like, at this point in my life, Um, A lot of the pants I wear right now are actually, like, men's pants um, Mm -hmm. because I just find them, like, a little more uh, comfortable. Like, I don't know why, but... Yeah. um, So... Because they're not made to just be completely suffocating. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why, yeah. So I'm, like, I'm, like, lifting up this pair of pants and I'm trying to figure out, like, if it would fit me. Um... And, oh, pause. (laughs) It's okay. I I knew this would happen, so I I planned for this. Um, Would you grab me, like, some, like, a six-pack of White Claw? Any flavor, as long as it's not black cherry. Thank you. You're welcome. Um... We can leave this in when we're editing as a public service announcement that black cherry white claw is disgusting. Um, And they have a new flavor watermelon, which they should replace all of their black cherry with, if you ask me. But anyway. Um, So basically, like, I was just lifting up this pair of pants to try to figure out if it would fit me or not. Um, And I think it was also just a little bit, like, the excitement of, like, being in a store, even Mm -hmm. if, you know, we had our masks on and the fitting rooms were closed and whatever. And the sales clerk was trying to help, but he just, like, looked at me. And he was like, those pants aren't going to fit you. And I, like, turned and I was like, oh. uh-huh. And he's like, oh, no, I mean, like, they're, uh, those ones are too big for you. Those are too big for you. And I was like, uh-huh. And then he was like, um, what's, like, what size are you? You're, like, what, like a, like a four? I was like, I'm like an eight or a ten. <laughs> and he was like, oh, oh, well. Um, and he was like, those ones are probably too big, though. I just meant those ones are too big. And I was like, mm, mm-hmm. And, like, it was just, like, both of us just being, like, interacting with people is hard right now. <laughs> you were you were both, you were both, like, wishing he hadn't said anything. <laughs> yeah. We were both, like, I should have never come in here. Like, we were both just, like, all of this needs to just. Can we just turn back time and erase everything? And it was so uncomfortable and like, oh, just the whole experience because like 
he obviously felt bad and he obviously didn't mean for it to sound like as aggressive as it sounded. And then he right. kind of like overcorrected. And uh-huh. then I was like initially very uh, like took what he said the worst, like, you know, the worst way I could. And then like couldn't come back from that. And like we yeah. were both just like uh, like stuck in this limbo until eventually my bo- my boyfriend thankfully was like, Oh, we gotta go. I, I'm supposed to be on a family Zoom call right now, and we just like exited the store really quickly. <laughs> but it was it was it was a tough moment for everyone involved. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. So yeah, just a friendly reminder from the ladies over at Twenty Eight Days Later. Please just be nice to yourself right now. Be nice to other people. And this is something that I struggle with doing, uh, even though I did the whole thirty days of Project Body Love. When you hear people talk negatively about their bodies or, like, make comments about, like, what they're eating and the whether or not it's, like, quote-unquote good or bad, just tell, just remind them, like, that's not, let's just, like, let's all stop doing this. Let's just all stop doing this. Um, but, Hannah, because it was your birthday this week, you picked our uh, media that we're covering. We're doing two short films this week and I'd like to know which you would like to discuss first okay so first I think it is important to mention that originally for my birthday I used my power to force my boyfriend to watch the Evil Dead remake yes um but that we had some scheduling conflicts so that discussion is put on hold but will be will be happening in the future yes that episode will be forthcoming and Mm -hmm. so we had to we had to pivot and because we pivoted late in the week uh, because of scheduling conflicts, not because of anything that Hannah did, uh, <laughs> she picked these two horror shorts on Shudder, uh, one of which had actually been in my queue. So I'm really glad that you picked it because I had been so sort of dying to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited because it, it ended up sort of being like a, a happy, a happy correction because um, I, I actually really enjoyed both of them, but I, I liked um, The Quiet Room a little more and I think that there's a little more there so I think that we should start with cat calls okay all right so uh I will synopsize cat calls if you'd like and then I'll let you synopsize the second one okay I am gonna pull up the IMDB for cat calls so I can tell you the name of the writer director so I don't forget oh for cat calls I already know it's Kate Dolan look at me I did my homework Okay, well, Cat Calls is a short horror film by writer-director Kate Dolan. Uh, It was released, I believe it was released this year, uh, as I am able to decipher. I found an interview with her from directorsnotes.com from March of this year. And uh, the, the overall plot of this short, it's pretty, it's pretty short, I was gonna say. It's about 10 minutes long. And so it includes an opening sequence in which a man gets in his car and is driving around and he, it seems apparent immediately, I think, especially to female viewers that something is not right. And like all of your, all of your like spidey senses, if you will, are tingling that like this guy is a huge creep, but you don't Mm -hmm. really know why yet. Um, He is driving down a dark road. He sees these two young women and sort of pulls over to ask for directions while she's giving him directions she notices that he is laughing at her and masturbating and then he just drives away um and we cut to him outside of his home where he finishes masturbating and puts his wedding ring back on he goes into his house where his wife who is a nurse is getting ready to leave for work and all of a sudden there's a commotion outside and a knock on the door His wife answers the door and one of the two women on the street that he had harassed uh, is at the door and she's all in a in a frenzy and she's sort of like, oh, my gosh, I need your help. Please help me. She comes inside. Um, She's acting as though she's in shock and the wife is sort of like, "Okay, we're going to help you. And she tells her husband to go call the cops. And then while he is quote unquote trying to find his phone he hears his wife start to call the police and then go silent he goes out into the other room she's gone and then he starts seeing a creepy monster that looks kind of like a cat person creeping around the house um 
he is then stalked and killed by the cat monster, uh, as is his wife. And we realize that the two women that he harassed are, in fact, uh, the monsters. And it's kind of fun because I saw in this article that I read with her, uh, with Kate Dolan, the writer-director, that this was part of a touring program of feminist horror shorts called We Are the Weirdos, which, of course, is... The, one of the famous quotes from the craft. So it just feels like, you know, the, the summary of the movie is they are the weirdos. They are the thing to be afraid of. Um, Hannah, what did you think of cat calls? Um, so one of my first things I thought is it's so short. Like afterwards I wanted, I wanted more cause I loved, mm-hmm. I loved it. Like I thought the idea of it was really, creepy and like very well executed mm-hmm. um and like i mean i'll get into it with both because i think both movies did a lot with a little um and were really successful in what they set out to accomplish mm-hmm. um, um so i just love the idea that like women getting cat called could then turn around and turn into cat monsters that eat people um and in particular like have, have you ever seen um the original cat people from 1940 something i have not i know it was an influence of this film but i've only seen the remake of cat people oh see i've not i've not seen the remake i haven't heard good things but uh, uh it's the original wild. i wouldn't say it's good but uh it's interesting <laughs> like the the original is a classic um and it's awesome and it, it also has, um, it has, like, similar themes, but what's kind of funny is that in that movie, it's, like, this, like, classic American man marries this, like, sensual Serbian woman, and she fears that, like, if they get intimate, she'll turn into a cat because she's descended from cat people. Um, and... In that movie, it's, like, a lot more of this, um, it's more of a conversation of, like, foreign women as well as, um, like, women who are more sensual and how they're dangerous. Um, and in that movie, he ends up, like, like having to, I don't remember if he has to kill her. Something happens with her when she's a cat and he ends up, like, he just ends up going for, like, the the much more boring and homely woman that he works with. <laughs> Who's like, oh, my God, like, I would never be such a slut. Like, that kind of thing. Um, but this movie reminded me of that, too, where it was, like, this idea that women who are more open or, like, like have a like have more overt sexuality or are somehow dangerous or they're gonna they're gonna kill you um for seeking them out but i definitely saw some allusions to to cat people with this but it was like it was like cat people but way more fucked up so i like that (laughs) yeah i i also really enjoyed this short i'm with you where um i certainly uh, watch a fair amount of shorts, especially horror shorts. I would say that most short films I've seen are horror short films, typically that I've seen at film festivals, like horror festivals. Uh, and I find that my most common reaction is one of two things. Either I'm like, oh, this was so good and I wish it were way longer, or like, this did not need to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, And this definitely fell into the first camp. I mean, I'm with you. Like I said at the beginning, I feel like the the way that the director, Kate Dolan, is able to make this guy seem creepy and unsettling without really doing anything. Like, Mm -hmm. we... We're just watching a guy drive around. But as you watch him drive around, we're seeing these uh like interactions that he's observing out the window like of these two there's like a scene of a woman walking into like a convenience store and these two old guys are like i don't even think they say anything to her they're just like watching like leering at her as she walks in Mm -hmm. uh 
And so it's this really great movie where we're like sort of, or it's this really great idea where we're seeing these examples of quote unquote, like casual street harassment that I think a lot of people, especially male identifying people don't understand as being threatening or negative. They're like, it's a compliment. I'm being nice. Um, yeah. And I love how that stuff like immediately translates as really unsettling. Um, it's also, yeah, well, and, and like when you kind of like, like when you can s- see his, his reaction or interaction with the other examples of it around him and you see how he seems to like mm-hmm. enjoy it more than be turned off by it. Um, just that he's like noticing it and kind of enjoying it. You immediately, if mm-hmm. you're a woman watching this, the hairs on like the back of your neck are like creep, creep, creep. He's a creep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and at the beginning of the short, it says, um, on a black screen, it says, based on a true story, Kate Dolan talks in an interview about how she had been working on the script uh, back in 2016 that sort of toyed with the idea of uh, women as predatory, women being the predators, women being the thing that men are afraid of instead of vice versa. And while she was working on that script, she and a friend were walking home and this happened to them. Mm -hmm. Um, A guy pulled up and asked for directions and was masturbating. And she says, and I'll read this quote. It says, we got his license plate and the police said when they called to his house to call him up on it, he was crying. I found the idea of a predator who is so intimidating to us in a moment, but could then be so pathetic and vulnerable, really interesting. And... I felt that so much watching this, like the way that he is sort of able throughout the the beginning half of this short, we watch him sort of act in this really predatory, harmful way with impunity. There's like no repercussions on him. He's happily married. It appears um, mm-hmm. he is being abusive both to his wife and to these random women. He doesn't know. Uh, and he doesn't seem to have any, Uh, feelings about it and to see him become vulnerable and scared is really powerful yeah well and because even before we know that the women are actual predators or monsters in their own right just the woman coming to the door Mm -hmm. and saying that she needs police Mm -hmm. he like we we follow him into the kitchen as he is panicking holding his phone being like i can't find my phone um and like that moment too is really giving you kind of what kate dolan was talking about where it's like this man who can seem so intimidating and so scary in one moment when he's actually like called out on it is like or he's in a position where he might have to like acknowledge that it occurred Mm-hmm. He is terrified. And that's, like, even before he knows that they're actual, like, people-eating monsters. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and I just want to read really quick, again, from this article, which we'll link in the show notes, because you and I have talked on this very podcast about how hard it is to create a, a monster that is effective in being scary. I think I have definitely said this on the record on, on this show, that it's a thing that you might think intellectually would be easy to do. Like making a monster is easy. You just make something that looks kind of weird, but mm-hmm. in practicality, it's a lot harder. I think in a lot of, of movies, especially lower budget shorts or feature length films fall uh, or survive on the ability of the creators to make a monster that is physically frightening. Mm-hmm. And so, they asked her in this interview, how did she, how did they come, how did that monster get created? How did this visual come to be? And she said that she wanted to make like a whole suit for the actress to wear, but they couldn't afford it. Uh, and so she said, we had a prosthetic artist, Vincent Lamb, create a spine, ears, and one claw. We could only afford one. <laughs> then our makeup designer, Audrey Corrigan, and costume designer, Jamie Nancy Barron, came together to find a way to put those prosthetic pieces together with a black morph suit, some PVA glue, 
black makeup and hair. It all came together really well, and I love the fact we have so much practical, so much practically there on screen. And then we added glowing eyes and a tail in post. So it's just, again, it's this really cool example of, you know, obviously practical effects, in, in my opinion, and I think yours, are always better. But it's cool to no see... No question, always better. <laughs> like you said up top, like, they did so much with so little. Like, this movie is... This short is really, really effective all the way through, I thought. Awesome. Do you want to move on to our second short of the evening and tell us the plot synopsis for The Quiet Room? Yes. Although, before I move into that, I just want to say one thing, which is that I also had been very aggressively catcalled over the weekend right before I was watching this movie. Oh, wow. And so... To watch the movie was a, an especially interesting experience because of that. Um, because, like, well, for two reasons. Like, number one, in my situation, when it happened, I was swimming in the pool at my boyfriend's apartment complex. And it had started raining, so everybody left except for he and I because we were, mm-hmm. like, we're already in the water, so who cares? And we were swimming, and we were, like, we are so lucky that we get to have this, like, you know, like, 15-minute window before the pool closes where we get to just be in this, like, beautiful pool alone. We get, we were, like, we were actively talking about how appreciative we were for the experience, and we were, like, really in the moment, and we were just really happy, and anybody who knows me knows that I really love water. So Mm -hmm. I was, like, very happy in the water. And my boyfriend had gotten up to take a picture of me because I was, like, floating in the water, and he said he just, like, wanted to take a picture of me being, like, as happy as a clam in the water. And when he got up to get my phone, a man yelled down from his balcony, why don't you come suck my dick? Oh, my gosh. And um, my boyfriend didn't, like, exactly, like, hear what was, like, he, he you know, he was kind of taking it back and just, like, trying to figure out where it was even coming from. And I said, why don't I come up there and you can suck mine? <laughs> yeah, get it. Um, but then this, like, D-bag, like, he seemed to, like, enjoy that more. And he mm-hmm. made, like, a aggressive motion at me, like, of him, like, jerking off at me, basically. Yeah. Um, and then my boyfriend yelled at him, um, yeah, come on down. You can just go ahead and jump right off that balcony you're standing on. And she'll uh-huh. suck your dick. <laughs> um, so, and when and when he said that, the guy reacted like, whoa, that was too far. And then he got quiet and went inside. Right. And I got really upset because I was like, I hate the fact that me calling him out for being gross and being rude excited him even more. And, like, he felt even more charged up by me engaging with him being gross. But, like, as soon as the man that was present acknowledged him, he, like, got scared and ran inside. Right. Um, And I was, like, that that is so, like, even more angering to me that it's, like, even, like, even in that moment, I still can't get the power back that I want from this person. And right, so exactly. I like, like you had no agency in that situation. Exactly, exactly. And it is infuriating. And so I like that in 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 watching cat calls like like the very next day that when he when the girl herself shows up and is like, we need to call the police. It was a similar thing where it was like the guy is scared seeing her, but he's like, I can explain this or I can fix this. But when she's like, let's call the police, then he's like, oh, oh, fuck, like, what's going to happen to me now? You know, like, he's caught or whatever. And it was a similar Mm -hmm. kind of... I resonated with the situation very much because I was like, oh, wow. Um, But I also, watching it, was like... For a woman to write this short film or a woman to expand this into a bigger film, there's so many things you could do in terms of street harassment and catcalling where you could get, like, the poetic justice that you want mm-hmm. with this idea of like the women turning into cats that will kill you. Um, yeah. So I just loved it. And I want to like hit her up and be like, Hey, let's make a full length feature. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, this is really, really awesome. Um, I want to know more about both of those women's lives. I would definitely watch a full-length movie of them. Yeah, um, for sure. And if, she ever, and if that ever happens, we'll definitely cover it on the podcast. Yes, because even at the end, when they're walking off like into the sunrise, they get catcalled uh, um, as they're walking, and they kind of look at each other like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really good. I'm glad that you suggested it because I, uh, the quiet room is the one that I had in my queue on Shutter, but I had not heard about this one and didn't know it was on Shutter. So I'm glad you found it. Cool. Well, that seems like as good of a, a segue in moment as any to move on to the quiet room. Let's do it. Okay. So, oh, the quiet room. It gave me such um, Buffy Monster of the Week vibes. Like. I was oh, so happy. Oh, for sure. Um, so basically, um, the quiet room follows um, <laughs> as he has um, survived a suicide attempt. And now we should clarify: this is not Jason Patrick, this not is Jason a Patrick Michael. Michael. But his name is Michael, and the amount of times that a whispered voice said "Michael," I was like, "This can't be an accident, right?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he wakes up in a, um, in a hospital or in like a mental hospital, um, and starts hearing about this, uh, like malevolent being named Hattie that haunts the psych ward of this hospital. Um, in particular. And her name is Hopeless Hattie, right? Which Hopeless I think is Hattie. Like, very poetic. Um, and that in particular, there's like a quiet room that they put people in to calm them down. And that like that's the room where the shit goes down with Hattie. Like that's where she basically like sexually assaults her targets. Um, and Michael, in between um, adjusting to being in this new environment and having um, flashbacks or dreams... Um, about the experience that he had with his boyfriend that led him to this place and this journey um, is also experiencing uh, Hattie coming after him. Um, and eventually it is revealed that Hattie is indeed there um, and she comes to get her boyfriend, as the other guy says, her new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. She's very protective of her boyfriends. <laughs> she is. She's very possessive. I don't like it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And um, she doesn't, she hasn't got um, contouring down yet with her makeup. <laughs> uh, Hannah, what did you think of, of, the quiet room. I mean, I know you sort of hinted up front that you like this one even more than Cat Calls. So tell me more about that. Uh, okay, well, I really like this one because right off the bat, it was making me, it was reminding me of um, Buffy, early early Buffy. And then they're playing Egyptian Rat Screw, which I played a shitload of at summer camp growing up. So I was like, five minutes in, I was like, I'm here for it. Um, yeah. But I also thought that this movie, much like Cat Calls, did, or this short, I guess, um, did such a good job with doing a lot with very little and, like, yep. building tension really well. Like, there, like in my notes, one of the first things I wrote was, this is the most tense toothbrushing I've ever seen. Um, yeah. <laughs> because they did that a couple times where they played off of what you expect it to be or what you expect to happen or where you expect the jump scare to be. By building up the tension and then not actually having something happen. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is so impressive when it's done well. And when you don't find it, like, annoying or frustrating. Instead, you're like, oh, I'm actually scared. Um, and, like, there was, in both of these movies, I kind of forgot to mention when we were talking about cat calls, but the initial moment when the guy gets out of the car and there's a girl standing at the end of the street and as he walks past her, she starts morphing and running at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That actually really scared me. Same. Um, and there was a moment in this movie, too, 
when the hair was coming out of the ceiling. Which was very Grudge-like. I mean, I know that you haven't watched the original Grudge, but there's a sequence in the original Grudge where uh, the mom uh, in the American family, who's the only one to, to begin with who can see the ghost, is sort of like staring at the corner of the ceiling and mm. Sarah Michelle Gellar keeps being like, what is she staring at? Can't see anything. And then one time she looks and the grudge hair just like starts spreading out everywhere. And then the face comes out of the hair, but it's Ooh. CGI. This was practical, which made it so much scarier. So much scarier. Yeah. Like both of these movies did so, so beautifully with their practical effects and their creatures. Cause I thought mm-hmm. Hattie, the look of Hattie when she appeared um, to the end of the movie was also really creepy and was very clearly like just makeup um, yeah. and prosthetics done really well. Um, so, yeah, I I was all about it. I thought of you when he, when Michael went to take a shower and you got, like, a beautiful glamour shot of his, like, super toned butt as he walked to the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I literally wrote in my notes, yay, a butt. <laughs> you know me, girl, I love a butt. I love a I butt. I love a butt in a movie. and Man um, butt, lady butt, I love it all. Give me all the butt, butts. Any butt, yeah, I'm Shape, size, it. don't care, want it, just want it. Um, just want it, all butts, all the time. And so I wrote down in my notes, first I wrote, yay, a butt. And then after that, I wrote, Jamal Douglas, ha-cha-cha. Um, so I liked it. Like, um, I felt like this movie, to me, it was, like, only, what, like, 27 minutes long? Yeah. It felt so much longer in a really good way. Like, I felt like yes. we learned a lot. We had, like, very developed characters, even mm-hmm. the ones who were only with us very briefly. Um, and the character of Michael in particular, like, we really got to know a lot about his backstory and where he was coming from and what kind of things he was dealing with. Um, and, yeah, it kind of reminded me, like, a mixture of, like, the Inca Mummy Girl episode of Buffy and the one where she's in the hospital and there's the monster that, like, is eating children. Yes, and I'm the, um... Der Kinderstadt is the name of the monster in the hospital, mm, mm-hmm. uh, which I remember because in the Buffering the Vampire Slayer song about that episode, they say they she is able to work Der Kinderstadt into the <laughs> chorus of the song. So I was sitting here like, Sophie, how does the song go? Remember the name of the monster. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. I mean, I thought that this movie this short does a phenomenal job. It's very different than cat calls and not Mm -hmm. just in length. I mean, I think we pretty much established, uh, this won't surprise anyone. Cat calls is a pretty true and true, uh, true, true and true. It's a true, uh, monster movie. Like there is a little bit less, I think there's a little bit less like tension on the part of the viewer because especially if you're a female viewer, you're really, uh, you are really relating to the monster and like you are rooting for the monster wherein Mm -hmm. this is much more of a slasher and you, it's just like the tension is very palpable from the beginning. I, I loved the character work. I think we end up getting a cast of like seven or so characters who all have distinct personalities, which is, honestly cannot be said about lots of feature length horror films um, yeah like we understand these people and their relationships and the writer the director and writer uh sam wiseman does it really quickly and really really uh effectively um his name is sam Weinman, not wiseman my apologies um the other thing that really stood out to me about this movie is like the visuals are gorgeous i mean i know you talked about the um the design of Hattie, but we also get these dream sequences where Michael is sort of like remembering, he carries a lot of guilt over this thing that I'm, I think we should not talk about that in particular if we can avoid it just cause like, Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of beautiful as it, the way the movie unveils what he's struggling with. Yeah. Um, but he has these dream sequences that are a lot of them are in this like entirely white flat environment that has like no horizon and no edges. And it's just like Mm -hmm. really, really cool and, and shot in a way that I really liked. Um, 
I, w- I had a couple of uh, cool notes for you, Hannah. So I read an interview with Sam Weinman for Rue Morgue, and it was part of a series written by Brian Christopher, who writes for um, Rue Morgue, called Cut Short Interviews. And I had never read these before, but what he does is he takes... Um, I guess Rue Morgue does a thing called Short Cuts, where they talk... They review horror shorts. And then this guy interviews the director of that short and calls it cut short he (laughs) asks 10 questions and the director only has 100 words total to answer all of the questions whoa Um, so it's cool because they need to be like really uh specific with their words and i learned a couple things uh from this interview that i was really excited about one which i think will maybe be more exciting for me than you because i don't recall if you've seen this movie is that the character of Amy, who's uh, one of the nurses at the facility where Michael is, and she really um, bonds with him and is, like, very supportive of him and kind to him and meets an untimely death because of it. Um, So she played Alice in Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors and the follow-up film. No way. Um, And I couldn't remember if you had seen Dream Warriors or not. I don't think I have. I've I, I know I've seen um I've seen another Nightmare on Elm Street, whichever is the one where the lady is pregnant and he wants the baby. Oh, that's the worst one. Okay, well <laughs> that's five. Um, well we'll have to do and actually that's five. So is Alice might be the woman who's pregnant in that? No, I don't think so. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We should watch Dream Warriors for the podcast. I'm definitely putting on a list because. This movie gave me serious Dream Warriors vibes. Um, That's another movie about a group of teens that are in sort of like a mental institution Mm -hmm. that are being haunted by a monster. In that case, uh, Freddy Krueger, obviously. Um, But there was another celebrity cameo that I didn't recognize and wasn't sure that you would. um, But uh, the the, uh, actor who plays Hattie is Alaska Thunderfuck, who was the let's see, season five winner of RuPaul's Drag Race and the season two winner for Drew, Drew Raw, Drew, oh my God, RuPaul Drag Race (laughs) All-Stars. I'm really struggling. No way. Um, But uh, yeah, Sam Weinman said that he wrote that character for Alaska and her, her reps were into it and he was really, really excited that she did it. Um, that is so cool. Yeah, I think it, like, adds another, another really cool layer to this, like, queer short. There's another um, thing, too, or another person in it. I have to clarify this, but I'm pretty sure that the really rude um, uh, blonde attending is... Judy? No, 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 the male one, who's also oh, a dick. yes. I'm having a hard time finding him on here, but I... I I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he is also um, a rude gay nurse from <laughs> a different TV show. Um, but that's going to take me a second to figure that oh, out. Oh, that's funny. Uh, was it by chance? I don't. Was he a rude nurse in Playing House? Because I know you love that show. I love Playing House, but no, Wait, it's. Is that the I show think you it's. Like? Um, I do love playing house, but no, it's a different thing. It's, um, crap. What was it? I feel like it's Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Um, well, the, the character that I think you're talking about is, I believe, David. Uh, and that actor is also a drag queen, but I do not see Kimmy Schmidt on. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of their IMDb page something else. but it's hilarious that you say that because i thought the um the girl rachel who's like the uh, pyromaniac who's in recovery mm-hmm. i thought i could have sworn uh that she was the daughter from unbreakable kimmy schmidt until i looked it up <laughs> like yeah, she, you know who that. i'm talking about i can't remember her name but uh the like really rude daughter with the silly name whose name yeah. i can't remember <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like with a th- an, un- an unnecessary thisby or something. Um, I yeah, think now that I'm looking like at that. it, I think now that I'm looking at, um, 
the pictures on IMDb. I think I'm getting confused with a different blonde, um, sassy gay nurse from a different TV show. Uh, um, I'll this is everyone's out. favorite part of our podcast when we peruse IMDb to try to figure out who we thought a person was. Yeah. I'll figure it out. It'll come to me. I'll figure it out um, later. I think it's Unbreakable. No, wait. It's Mindy Project. Okay. Oh, I know exactly which which uh, sassy nurse you're talking about, yes. actually. All right. Anyway. Um, anyway. Back to the thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, I found this short, like you said, I found it to be really effective. It's very tense throughout. And I had the same feeling you did where it's it's quite short, but when it finished, I felt as though I had watched a full length movie, but not like, oh man, that was so long. It just felt like I had gotten so much out of it in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, um, well, cause I also think the idea just the fact that you were also talking about, like, another slasher that takes place um, in a faci- similar facility. Mm-hmm. I think that um, the way that we've talked about before and how the horror genre allows for people to explore um, ideas a little more, like, baldly. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of being haunted in a mental institution um Mm -hmm. really lends itself to that because there's so much that you can do with mental illness and the way that people experience mental illness and the way that it's treated um that is done here like the paranoia and the danger um and as well as like how unsupportive and cruel the staff is um I think that's part of why they're able to get so much out of so little or such a little running time is because there's so much space for you to run wild with mm-hmm. how many different ways it could be so scary to be in an environment where um, what you're experiencing is really being second guessed by everyone around you and um, a lot of your agency has been... Um, like suspended or taken away from you based off of the environment you're in. Um, And I also think that whether or not it was intentional, um, the fact that Michael, the main character, is black and the entirety of the staff that he interacts with are white and that they perceive him very quickly as dangerous and um, don't trust anything that he tries to explain when he does experience Mm -hmm. things um Mm -hmm. i think is also very effective like they don't like his when his um roommate uh seemingly commits suicide and he finds the body their reaction is way more like he did it right away and then later mm-hmm. on, a, a razor, like, falls out of his clothing that mm-hmm. he's not even really holding. Like, the way the razor falls, it makes it, like, very obvious that he wasn't actually holding it. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And the way that the nurse, like, the, the like, white female nurse reacts to him so, so quickly as if she's in danger. Um and then no none of the staff really believes him until they themselves are actually faced with the danger right. um i found that very interesting cuz mm-hmm. like whether or not it was written that way um or it just like was cuz i know we've been talking about it a lot lately when things are written to reflect something or if it just is cast in a certain way um, but I found like hit like Michael's interactions with the staff to be even more poignant because he himself is a black man and most of the people he was interacting with are like white orderlies. Um, and even right. like when Hattie comes for everybody at the end, um, Judy, the horrible, rude nurse, like she can't see Hattie. Um, and she, but she's being attacked and she's like yelling to Michael 
is Hattie here? Is Hattie here? Is Hattie here? Um, as Hattie is, like, walking up behind yeah. Judy. Um, right. And that, to me, and, like, maybe that's also just because of the greater discussion that we're having now, but watching that aspect of the movie, too, is, like, this idea um, of this force, like, existing in this place and really affecting, like, the only uh, person of color in the space and no one is seeing it until it affects them. And then they're like, is it here? Like, am I in danger? Right, Right. exactly, exactly. (laughs) So I found that um, that whole aspect of this short to be even more powerful um as well yeah i think that's really that's really really uh, a beautiful a beautiful point and i think relatedly i think this movie unfortunately we all too often see uh despite the fact that the horror genre is a place where people can sort of explore uh things that are bothering them or fears or problems that society has I think all too often those things can become tropes and so I think a lot of times horror leans on this idea that like people in mental institutions or people who suffer from any kind of mental health issues are like dangerous or scary um and I would say as far as horror movies go this is probably one of the best portrayals I've seen of people who are in a facility like this just like being fully human and it's not like Mm -hmm. any of them are just like really two-dimensional caricatures of like this person is an addict and this person is a you know what I mean it's like it I think they do a really good job of sort of having their setting be like the the place where they are is just a setting it's not like oh well everyone in this movie is now like other because of it like i'm i'm thinking of um there's a movie that came out last year or the year before um goodness gracious i'm gonna be so ashamed of myself that i can't remember oh unsane was the name of it about a woman oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. it was a steven soderbergh movie yeah filmed entirely on iphones in in a uh mental health facility and sort of set up in such a way where this woman who has been the victim victim of stalking unintentionally checks herself in uh, to a facility and is then not allowed to leave and is held against her will and believes that the man that has been stalking her is there and no one believes that he's there. And I think I was not a huge fan of that movie, but I do think that it does a lot of good work in portraying people uh, who might be in a facility like that, but you still have like one character who's just like needlessly, prone to violent outbursts and like will just like shit randomly and it's just like what if we just don't do that like what if we just don't dehumanize people that are suffering in that way yeah like in this in this uh like even in this short like you said like each of the characters was very well fleshed out and often there was like a quip or a reference made to an issue that they had or an instance that occurred that ended up with them being in the facility Mm -hmm. but it in no way was used to then like define them for the rest of the time that they were on screen um and i think that's something that you don't really see um so often with things that are set um in a place where people are experiencing different mental illnesses like normally it's like for sure it's like you know the girl interrupted or something like that where it's like each person is a mental or like oh the movie i fucking hate what's it called that one with jennifer lawrence oh oh um, silver linings playbook. silver linings playbook i it's also like, hate that movie. i fucking hate that movie so much and, and, and <laughs> i think that for movie, the same reasons yeah in that movie they're like each person is a mental illness and everything that they are in this movie is that, and that's how everyone with that illness is, and they're that's a walking like their diagnosis. whole personality. Yeah, yeah, and I, oh, I hate that movie so much, um, and I hate it even more for all the people who were like jerking off about it, like, oh, we're so inclusive. Um, but yeah, like I really appreciated how this short was able to do that in twenty-seven minutes like, what an Oscar-winning film could not accomplish, in my opinion, in, like, two and a half hours of 
um, I don't know, congratulatory jerking off each other. Yeah. <laughs> now, Hannah, I'm realizing as we as we start to wrap up that we did not uh, rate our previous shorts. So will you please tell me how many Bloody Marys out of five you would give to Cat Calls and how many you would give to The Quiet Room? Okay, so I think Cat Calls, I would give um, four Bloody Marys um, and uh, Sexy Lady with a Cat, Air Freshener. Um... <laughs> Because I really liked... I love it. I really liked Cat Calls. Um, and I think it was amazing. My only my only complaint with it is that I wish it was, like, a little bit longer. Or that there was, yeah. like, a little more to it. And then... Although I'm um, sure that had more had more to do with budget than anything else. Absolutely. Um, and then I think for The Quiet Room, like, I think I might actually give Quiet Room, like, a full-blown 5 out of 5. Because I thought it was so so successful in what it did with what it had and the amount of time it did it in. Like, I was floored. I was so impressed. Yeah. So I think I'm going to yeah. go ahead and give it the full five. Like, I'm a, like I'm a Sophie out here. Oh, dang. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm going to give Cat Calls, I think, a straight four out of five Bloody Marys. I would say my one... Um, my one qualm or critique of it that I totally forgot to bring up while we were discussing um, was it bummed me out that the that the cats the cats also killed that man's wife. Me it just too. Felt like I, me too. She's a it's nurse. Like, no it fair. seems like she is like is probably a good person and doesn't know. Like we didn't. And I'm not. Uh, I want to be careful because I think like I don't want to get into the. I think it's messy waters to be like feminism has to look like this or like I liked it when the women broke the rules this way but not that way. Mm-hmm. I just think in a short um maybe if it were if they were able to work it out longer and we could have like spent some time with them like that decision may have felt different but it just felt like yeah. needlessly I mean it just felt like needlessly upping the body count in a way that mm-hmm. I was just like Oh, I don't love that they killed her. So yeah. I'm just gonna go four out of five. I agree with um, you there. I also like to me. I was like they. I was like I almost wish they had her say something that made her explicitly awful, um, or just like let her live. Like or, yeah, let she her could live have left or for like, work, or like they could have killed her husband in front of her, which would have been equally traumatizing. That's but, like, true. Like if lived. they could have revealed, like it would have been way more um all, like awesome to see them like reveal him to her rather yeah. than have her be killed as well. So I, I totally agree with you on that one. Um, Although I also wrote so that, like, wow, he's such a dick. He doesn't even look for his wife. Cause after he hears her like cut out mid sentence. Right. And he's obviously freaked out. He goes into the front room and there's like blood on the phone she was just using. And he doesn't even look for her. He just closes the door. Yeah. And is like creeping around the house, clearly worried for his own safety, but not like, I wonder if my wife is okay or if I could help her. He's just sort of like, well, that does not give a shit. Yeah. Um, And the quiet room, I think I'm going to go. Let's see. I'm going to go for uh, Virgin Bloody Marys because I want to be sensitive to any of the characters in the film who may have been in recovery for alcohol (laughs) abuse. Uh, and then I'm gonna pour, uh, add a, a big old glass of water to keep Hattie away. Uh, so we'll say that's a four, 4.5, uh, for me. <laughs> I, I am totally with you that this was a, maybe one of the best, if not the best and most successful shorts I've ever seen. It's also the longest short I've ever seen. So I think like clearly they just had a little bit more time to sort of work with the stuff they did. Yeah. I, I would say that some of the acting to me like could have been crisper Mm -hmm. but I really liked the movie like I thought that that the short was amazing overall like I would not detract very much from it for that but there were parts where I was like oh yeah this does feel like a sort of a um an early attempt at a at a short like with a limited budget but that being said like clearly I loved it and it had some great celebrity cameos and I think that like overall 
the performances were good. I would say honestly that the performances I struggled with the most were like the the nurses and attendants that we didn't know as well. Like mm-hmm. they just felt kind of uh uh like rote in their in their performances. Mm. So fair. So that's just me. That's where I'm at with those. Um our in later news this week, many of you may know and some of you may not that on Monday of this week, uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, um, was the was harassed by a fellow politician. They were walking out of the Capitol on Monday, um, having just voted on a bill, and he walked up to her and started yelling at her. And she told him that he he was being rude and he turned around to leave. And while he was leaving, just sort of yelled, like, perhaps to no one in particular, but clearly to her, fucking bitch. Oh. Um, and it will probably surprise no one that this uh, other politician was a man and he is a Republican and he's from Florida. Um, I don't want to generalize. Not all Republicans are bad people or misogynists not all people from florida are crazy uh not all men are bad but like this guy is just like the trifecta of badness um and really the only reason that we found out about this is because of a reporter overheard it um and when this politician what's his name because we should uh shame him his name is ted yoho from florida uh, i assume no. he's part pirate descended from pirates um but he he at first like denied saying it then he was like i don't really remember what i was saying it about and then when he finally had to apologize he offered a really uh half-hearted apology and in her way as she does uh aoc responded by being a total uh badass she sent out a tweet ending with bitches get stuff done she then posted a story on instagram that shows her fully masked blowing a kiss in front of the Capitol building as Doja Cat's boss bitch blares really loud. And on the video, she wrote, shine on, fight for others, and let the haters stay mad. Um, <laughs> so I will link to her tweet as well as an article in Vanity Fair that's uh, called What Ted Yoho's AOC Outburst Says About the State of Men in Politics. And... Um, I just want to put out there for all of our listeners that are women. One of the quotes from that article is women who challenge norms and power structures, both with what they say and what their ascension represents endure these kinds of attacks frequently. Um, so please, for all of you out there, remember that when men get angry and call you a bitch or yell hateful shit at you, like happened to you this weekend, Hannah, um, like just remember that like you are, you're scaring them. <laughs> like <laughs> we are the weirdos. They should be scared. We are we are the bitches and we're not going anywhere. <laughs> um if you want to get in touch with us, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at the number twenty eight days lady underscore ER. You can also email us at twenty eight days at gmail.com. I think that's it for us this week, Hannah. Do you have any parting words for the people? Um, just, you know, celebrate my birthday responsibly, um, and always pee after sex. Gorgeous. No worries.